Takeoff 
trying to figure out their role. So uh, I think those things will come. But for me, again, I just kind of try to stay with the same mindset, go out there and try to execute. Well, Cliff was talking about the fact he wanted to get you more vertical. Was yeah. that something you guys have had conversations about? Um, again, I don't really get too involved in that kind of stuff, man. Just go out there and, and try to execute whatever's called. Have you noticed, I mean, now you've got Kyler who's signed for a while. Cliff is signed for a while. I know it's only your second year, but you did spend all last season with them. Do you notice a difference in either one of their demeanor now that they know they're locked in here for a long time? Uh, I mean, those guys are... They've been locked in. Uh, Cliff is usually the first one here. He'll get in the building before anyone else. Um, Kyler's always locked in, whether it, it be with just um, keeping in contact with the guys or or on the plays or whatever. So um, I think those guys are, are really locked in to obviously get to this position. They've had to do something right. So um, I think they've been just continuing to be who they are and um, are being rewarded for the people that they've been. Do you have any goals, Rondell, for this year? The Super Bowl is the only goal of mine. Okay. No individual? You never think of an individual mark or goal for yourself? You never Yeah, think no, I, I keep those within the family and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but you do have them. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Sure. You mentioned you mentioned the Super Bowl. We had Marco Wilson up here yesterday, and he brought up the fact. Look, you guys are aware that it's going to be here this year, obviously. And then yeah. you know the Rams did it last year, and the Buccaneers did it. I know that the professional athlete mindset has to be week by week, but is it something you guys talk about once at the start of the year? Like, look, we want to keep this pattern going. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's 32 teams in this league, and I'm sure every single team dreams of being in the Super Bowl. So you set those goals and aspirations, and just try to work as hard to obtain that. So um, I guess you can put us in that category of a team that wants to end up there and obviously win. So when you look at your offense right now, mm-hmm. how do you think it's evolving? How do you think it's developing? How do you think it's going to evolve? Um, I think, you know, uh, for us, it's just, I think we hurt ourselves a lot of times last year uh, with penalties and things of that sort, uh, getting set back, playing behind the sticks. So, you know, if we can continue to uh, just progress um, get the snap count down, not have uh, pre-snap penalties and things of that sort. I think we're our biggest enemy. So um, for that, for us, that just means locking in, uh, spending extra time on the playbook, um, on the different the cadences and things of that sort. So um, I think the progression for us just comes from um, us continuing to build upon what we already have. Talking to Rondale Moore, obviously, Rondale, it's just camp, but you guys are going up against your defense. What is it like when you line up against the defense where Isaiah Simmons could be almost anywhere on on the field yeah it's it's super intriguing to see a guy that big uh play a quarter of the field and and uh run all the way down and play nickel and and cover you and man when they go zero so um to see a guy like that move laterally and also be able to run you down if you've um got a a fade from the slot or whatever so uh it's really freaky to see a guy like that go out there and do those sort of things but it's it's really cool i'm glad he's on our team um and i always say practice is really tough simply because um the defense knows who you are they know your moves they know the plays you run based off these sets these um formations or whatever so um and practice is really tough so we have a fun fun time competing and that kind of stuff rondale are are you faster than hollywood brown or have you guys have you guys went ahead and had a little Uh, bit of a a race have you done that yet no we we haven't raced yet i think it'd be pretty close between um (laughs) crazy enough um hollywood andy andre and myself, I Whoa, think that that'd four be pretty guys. good. Yeah, no, nah, we got some guys that can get it. 
Raw sure. speed right there. Rondell, we appreciate this, man. You're always good with your time. Good luck this year. Thank you. Thanks a lot. That's Rondell Moore joining us right here when we come back. ASU, could they surprise some people this year? They're going to have to name a starting quarterback to do it. We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Why you always in the mood? Messing around like I'm brand new. Thanks to Rondale Moore for joining us last segment. Look, I think most people are on board with the uh, the goal of how about just win the Super Bowl. It's a good, it's a good goal to have, huh? Yeah, excellent goal. I liked his just Godfather, win the Super Bowl. His Godfather answer of, yeah, I've got the internal goals. I keep them within the family. <laughs> yeah, within the family. <laughs> He's going to close like the right door there. and look yeah. at us. It's this. very, very nice. You know, would just be the best player you can possibly be, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, over to ASU. Wolf, I'm, I'm trying. We're, we're, what are we, three weeks? Three, four weeks now away from the start of the season. I'm, I'm going to make them an offer again with you. Indeed. <laughs> That's you right. I'm trying to talk myself into, hey, maybe ASU can surprise me this year. Maybe they can go out there and win more games than people think. I don't even know what their over-under is at what this What would point. that be, honestly? What, 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 was, what would that look like to you? How many games would they have to win for you to say, you know, boy, that was a lot more than what I expected? Um, a lot. I'm trying to look at the schedule, like a lot more. I mean, the Pac-12 is so up in the air. Eight. Want to win eight? Okay, eight, eight. would be nice. I, w- I would eight. have to say seven. I- I'd have to go seven right there. I'd, g- I'd go with seven. If if they won seven games, I would be. Um, yeah, I'd I'd be mildly surprised. I'd be surprised with seven. I'm saying, like, what would be, like, shocking? Eight, okay, I think. eight. Um, oh, shocking. Uh, yes, you'll hear me that week be like, I'm so shocked. Uh, I mean, the roster's gutted. But you look around the Pac-12, and it's not like all these schools are loaded. So you feel like there should be some, some winnable games in there. Uh, they start with NAU, Thursday, September 1st, so just a couple of weeks away. Oklahoma State uh, in Stillwater. That'll be an easy one. Uh, and then home <laughs> against Eastern Michigan. That's your non-conference schedule. Uh, this is Herm Edwards yesterday asked, uh, you know, this is a pretty good place to start, right? Okay, Herm. We are trying to figure out who these new 43 guys are on your team. Who's going to be your starting quarterback? How much closer are you to, to knowing who your starting quarterback is going to be? Uh, we'll probably make an announcement here shortly. i got an idea. I don't want the opponent to know. They can study for all four of us. That's exactly right. Once again, you know what, Herm? That is that is exactly the right He's answer. Not wrong in theory. Every time, that is the right answer right there. Could you just tell me though, so I feel why, better? Why? Why would you ever provide your opponent with aid, comfort, and shelter by letting them know what quarterback you're going to start? Now, I understand if you've got the starter and you know who the starter is going to be, but it's not just that quarterback. It's with any position. Why would you ever make an announcement on anybody that might be a question mark as to whether or not he's going to play in this game? Why would you ever provide any information whatsoever? Isn't that right, Bill Belichick? Yes, it is. So that's classic. I don't care if you're playing NAU. Hey, listen, why would you ever provide anything to your opponent? You wouldn't. Look, man, I I love ASU, but what you just said about NAU, 
I think right now with everything going on, there are no like let's let's go ahead and grind out every single game. However, you got to do it. If you think not announcing the quarterback too early will help you beat NAU, and in a lot of years yeah. you'd be like, big deal, it's NAU. How about let's just figure out a way to beat NAU at this point with the way everything's been going. <laughs> and I thought also too it was kind of odd because Herm kind of contradicted himself right there, right? Because you know we should be making that announcement soon. Well, here and shortly. So they and then all them. of a sudden, and then all of a sudden he face. said, you know what, hey, no, we, you know, would, why would we let anyone know who maybe, our guy is going to be? Maybe we'll tell you around 4.30 on September 1st, <laughs> like a half hour before kickoff. Uh, so then they asked him, okay, let's get more specific. When is that decision going to be made? We'll probably make an announcement here shortly. I got an idea, but... Oh, it's just the same audio, but louder. So Herm's not giving us anything there. It's got to be Emory Jones, right? It's... It's got to be Emory Jones. This is a it guy, has to be right now. He's actually played college oh, football. Yes. Uh, and he played at Florida. And I understand by Florida standards, he did not have an amazing year last year. I get that. 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 2,700 passing yards, ran for another 759, uh, got in the end zone on the ground four times. This is a guy that after the 2020 season, right after, was on pre, 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 pre season Heisman watch lists. Now, do I expect Emory Jones to win the Heisman this year? No, but I'm kind of expecting him to start for ASU. Yeah, you know, honestly, right now, if I am the defensive coordinator for NAU, which I am not, I'm watching a lot of Emory Jones. <laughs> I'm watching a lot of that, as a matter of fact, with Florida. Of course, this is a guy, Luke, think about it. The guy has attempted over 430 passes. I think it's over 430 pass attempts. In Division One football, oh, by the way, for Florida, yeah. like you just said, this guy's thrown for over 3,300 yards. This He is no rookie by any stretch of the imagination. This guy is a seasoned veteran in terms of college football. And because of that, I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever that it's going to be Emory Jones. I mean, your other real option, I know Herm said there's four guys, and it's not like the other guys don't have a chance, but it sure seems like it's Emory Jones or Paul Tyson. Paul Tyson, for Alabama, has thrown 16 career passes. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Probably yeah, Emory. I mean, he's an unknown. That's not 432. No, it's, it's not. It's a 16, probably, in blowouts. Um, I just think on this team... You've had so much change and so many guys leave and, you know, they tried to win by running the ball last year and they were very successful. I mean, again, this team went eight and four last year and, and if they just didn't take silly penalties, they would have been 10 and two or maybe even 11 and one if they just didn't take silly penalties. But a lot of that was because they had Rashad White and Chip Trainum and they don't have those guys anymore. So your quarterback, there's going to be a little more. I think, responsibility on the quarterback this year, at least out of the gate, to win games for ASU than, than Jaden Daniels had last year. Yeah, no, you know, honestly, right now, once again, it's going to be Emory Jones. It has to be Emory Jones. I, I don't, I can't foresee any alternative to that right now. You got a kid who's, who's an excellent athlete, a kid who's 6'2, 211 pounds. He's got a little size to him. I like that. He's more of a running back type. For me, when I think of that 6'2", 211 pounds, he's got all the experience. I mean, that that would be the biggest thing I'd be worried about. If, if I'm going with a new quarterback, I'm going into a new season, the biggest thing I'd be worried about is an inexperienced quarterback. 
the the Sun Devils are not going to have an inexperienced quarterback. They're going to have a guy that has played at the highest level in college football. He's not going to be wowed by anything that he's going to see. He's not going to be walking around with his heads in the cloud. Wow, look at this. This is the Pac-12. He's not going to be doing any of that. This is a hardcore seasoned veteran of college football playing for the Florida Gators. I love that. And because of that, it's got to be Emory Jones. To me, that was... Maybe the only good thing of the offseason was that news that, that almost fell out of nowhere. Oh, by the way, as you just landed Emory Jones, like, okay, there's some upside there. I'm going to read you just the stat leaders for ASU last year, okay? At each, and and you're, everybody's going to get a, a reminder of how much has left. Okay, Jaden Daniels obviously was your quarterback. He's gone. Rushing, uh, Rashad White. Rashad White was great last year. Yes. Gone, NFL. Uh, Jaden Daniels, obviously gone. Chip Trainum is now like a linebacker at Chip Ohio Trainum. State or something. What is going on, Chip? Uh, so Daniel Nagata is still here. Yes. And, and I do hope slash expect big things from him. Ricky Pearsall was your fifth leading rusher. He's gone, too. Uh, receiving, Ricky Pearsall, gone. Rashad White, gone. L.V. Bunkley-Shelton, gone. Yeah. Everybody's What's gone. What's your point? Everybody okay. has left except Daniel Nagata. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know. It's, it's a tough situation where, once again, if I'm Herm Edwards, I'm looking for experience above all else. And that's the reason why there's no doubt in my mind it's going to be Emory Jones because you want that guy. I can guarantee you that first time they get in the huddle and they're getting ready to play against NAU, here we go right now. Emory Jones is going to walk in there and go, okay, are you guys ready to go? Uh, you know, <laughs> let's, let's do this, guys. <laughs> it's so important. You have no idea the impact that a Q can have on an entire team unless you've experienced it. You have have no idea. Oh my goodness, I cannot tell you how many backup quarterbacks have stepped into a huddle and called that first play with very little authority <laughs> from time to time. Well, yeah. And <laughs> that's, everybody's that's, looking at him like, dude, you're going to die, that, aren't you? That's pretty alarming. And if you don't know what you're doing, we're all screwed because you're driving the ship. Exactly. Uh, look, there's always turnover in, in college football on the rosters, but not, not to this extreme with ASU. ASU no. just lost everybody. And so... <laughs> 43 dudes, if you guys on this team. If you're Emory Jones, you have a chance to step in and, and instantly make this your team. This could be his team by halftime of the NAU game. It really could. Or or he won't be starting. Who knows? Uh, do you know a high school student with great character? We want to hear about them and how they make an impact on our community. So text character to 620-620 and share their story. Now, what's in it for them? Just a $10,000 scholarship from Parker and & Sons and Arizona Sports. Text character to 620-620 when we come back. Are the Arizona Cardinals in win-now mode? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Takeoff 2022 is a go. Now presented by 72 Zones and Kona The home of Arizona Cardinals football. 98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. It's always weird when all the lights in the stadium go back on right as you're going back up the air. Yeah. It was, uh... I feel like there's pressure now to make this a good segment. <laughs> Why we would start? Oh, that there's now. pressure, all right. <laughs> Everybody's watching. Everybody that's in the building, which is like uh, four people now. Everybody cleared out of here pretty quick, actually. All right, Wolf. 
I know you love these. Uh, I know these uh, these rankings, these under twenty five talent in twenty twenty two rankings. <laughs> I can already <laughs> tell where you're going to go don't with this. Stop. But just hold. Just well, don't hold on. You don't don't hold back. Yeah, okay. Do what you're going to do. But there's a reason I'm bringing this one up. Okay. <laughs> so just, this is my favorite. There's a reason I'm bringing it up. So ESPN did this. They went through ranking all 32 NFL teams by their under 25 talent this year. Okay, <laughs> Best and worst core players. Okay. And they have the Arizona Cardinals at 30. Okay. 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 Now, a couple things. Kyler is not uh, technically, he doesn't qualify because I guess they don't deem him under 25. So they say their blue chip players in that range are Jalen Thompson. Okay. He's the only one. They say their notable graduated players are Kyler Murray, Hollywood Brown, Christian Kirk's obviously not here, Josh Jones, and Zach Allen. So they say right in there, Kyler graduating from that class obviously drops their ranking no. considerably. So I'm going to let you go off first before I give you my actual point here. No. God. <laughs> stupidest of all the lists that are out there. (laughs) This one is the stupidest one to talk about. It is. You gotta be kidding me, man. Guess what? You you don't play with guys who are under 20. You don't just play with guys that are under 20. I understand the whole idea. You know what? Hey, we're trying to actually project who might be good down the road. But your prime as a football player is 25. I would say about 25 to about 30. That is your prime when you're at your best. Physically, you're still you're still qualified to go out there. All of that God-given talent, you're still able to tap into that. And now, all of a sudden, you've got more experience as well. You've seen it all from defenses, or you've seen it all from offenses. You've seen it all. You're getting better. You know the game better. You feel more comfortable. You feel more confident when you're 25 to 30. That is when you're at your best. That's how you win games. Now all of a sudden we got to worry about, you know, 25 and under? This is, I'm sorry, it's it's stupid. Good, because I thought you might say that. So that leads me to my next point, okay? The team that's 32nd on this list, care to take a guess? No. The L.A. Rams. <laughs> you just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Exhibit A, ladies 20, and gentlemen. I'm, well, I'm trying as to, to prove your point. stupid it is. 28th on the list is the Seahawks. They've been down there for a while. The 49ers, I think, are 13th. But the one thing I will say. If you're if you're using this as a tool trying to look not at this season, obviously, but you're saying, okay, who's kind of set up the best in the NFC West? That's just how I'm looking at it. I'm not looking for all 32 teams. I'm looking at the NFC West specifically. Yeah. Okay, The Rams, 32. They have zero blue-chip players, 25 and under, according to ESPN. The Seahawks have DK Metcalf and Charles Cross. Um, yeah. What I would say is because Kyler's so right on the fringe, it does kind of give you that perspective. Okay, look at the NFC. The Rams are in win now mode, and they just won, so they should be, and it paid off. Yeah, I don't know what Seattle is. They're in, I guess they're in rebuilding mode, and they're not set up very well to do it, according to this. But the Cardinals have a quarterback that is young and really good, and isn't their trajectory still kind of going up? Whereas the other teams in the division, Seattle's just bottomed out. The Rams are at the very top, so I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, maybe they're going down a little bit. They just won the Super Bowl. San Francisco, uh, so much depends on Trey Lance, but the Cardinals' trajectory really should still be going up. Oh, man, Luke, honestly, right now, I mean, on a, 
I, I, I to even comment on this makes me feel stupid myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> it does. Because right now you're talking about in the NFL in the year 2022 of our Lord, you don't build teams the way you did in 1978. 1980, when I came into the league in 1985, you still had to draft. It was all about the draft. That was the only way you were going to build a team. It was all about that. Now, all of a sudden, with everything else that is out there, all the free agency that is out there, the trades, trades are much more common. Back when I was playing, there weren't trades. You didn't have trades, especially during the year. You did not have it. Maybe the off season, you'd have a trade every now and then. But there weren't the trades that you'll get. And you'll get in-season trades. Now, isn't yeah. that right, that, Zach? I didn't even feel like that happened five years ago. You'll, really. you'll get in-season trade, and that would never happen. It is a year-to-year proposition in the National Football League. Team building, roster building is a year-to-year deal. It's not like it used to be, where you'd have to sit there and, oh my goodness, we're drafting well, and we're drafting well, and we've got to draft well, because that's the only way we're going to acquire players. There's not going to be free agency out there. It's all about the draft. But isn't that kind of where the Cardinals are heading when they start giving Kyler $51 million a year? Like, they're not doing it this year, and they're not doing it next year, but when that the actual money and the cap hit kicks in, and he's making 25, 26%, yeah. of, maybe it'll drop to 20%, you know, whatever, but. It's just a year to year proposition. Who's going to be out tougher there? Tougher then, though. What do you mean? It gets tougher. It gets tougher when, when a quarter of your money's tied up in one guy. I mean, well, you're not going to be able to go out and, and throw money at free agents the way they've been able to. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. Yet at the same time, hopefully you're going to develop your own players as well, and you've got guys that are going to do that. And I know a lot of guys that, you know what, uh, under 25 still don't get it yet that are, are not going to be the same players they are when they're 26. Does that make sense? So, again, um, you know, I just look at it, and I just I, to sit around and talk about, okay, who's under 25? Who looks really, really good? Let's go ahead and rank them. And it's just so dumb. But list aside, if you just strip it down to quarterback, you don't think there's an advantage that the Cardinals have over this division for the foreseeable future? I mean, this is why you signed Kyler Murray, right? Yeah. Seattle doesn't have a quarterback. San Francisco might have a quarterback, but we don't know. Sure. And Matthew Stafford's... He's already hurt this year. I mean, that, yeah, but once like again, done. who cares? Uh, Kyler Murray doesn't qualify for being under twenty-five. That's my point. No, but so, but my point is, if you strip away the under twenty-five thing and you just look at this division, if you have a list that's saying the Rams are not set up all that well for the future, and you have a list that's saying right now Seattle isn't set up who, all that who, well for the who future, who knows if the Rams are not set up well for the future when it's a year-to-year proposition? True. But if you strip everything away and you just say Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, Drew Locke, and Trey Lance, does that not set you up pretty well for the future? That's the one position. You're not going to go out and trade for a quarterback, most hey, likely. Who knows? Trey Lance might turn into the best quarterback to ever play well, in the National Football League. That, I'm would, just saying, that would be an issue. You know, I, I again, um, I, I just I have to laugh. I'm sorry. It's a year-to-year it's proposition. List. This is how you build a team in the NFL. Yeah, you still want to draft well. There's no doubt about that. That's that's a huge advantage if, in fact, you are drafting well. But that is to, to sit there and say you've got to draft well in these young guys. Who knows what's going to happen? 
who knows? Like Jalen Thompson. There's a guy who's a young guy, really developing, as we all know. We see it. Now, all of a sudden, he's one of the better safeties in the National Football League. They developed Jalen Thompson. As a supplemental fifth-round pick, they developed that kid. To his credit, from day one when he showed up, Jalen Thompson was a guy that was really, really good under the radar. And yet, he was under 25, and nobody would would have looked at Jalen Thompson and said, there's a guy right there who's actually going to turn into a great player. It, it is There are so many variables involved. That's the reason why, once again, I don't even look at that and say, okay, let's project five years from now where the Arizona Cardinals are going to be. You can't do it. You can't. When it's a year-to-year proposition, the only thing you can do is look at your franchise quarterback and say, there's a guy we locked up. Because if you got the franchise quarterback, suddenly team building is ten times easier, especially on a year-to-year basis. And that's my point, is nobody else in this division has their franchise quarterback of the present and future locked up. Now, the, the Rams have theirs of the present. And the Niners hope they have theirs of the future. And the Rams, I would almost say, set them aside because the salary cap clearly doesn't apply to them anyway. They can just spend as much money as they want. But in general, if you went out there and you committed that money to Kyler Murray, it should set you up nicely for the future. Now, you're right. You're going to have to develop guys like Jalen Thompson. If it doesn't set you up nicely for the future, that's a lot of money you just spent. No. Once again, team building is 10 times easier when you have your franchise quarterback. It's 10 times easier. But again... There are no guarantees with that. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, did Joe Sy ruin the Nets' trade leverage with Kevin Durant yesterday? He probably didn't help it. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, welcome back to the show. Switching back over to basketball and trying to make sense out of everything that has happened in this Kevin Durant saga over the last 24 hours, let's say, Wolf. We learned right around this time yesterday that uh, from Shams that KD had basically told Nets owner Joe Sy, uh, yeah, I'll stick around if you get rid of the GM and the coach. And then by the time I got home yesterday after the show, Joe Sy had already tweeted out, yeah. standing behind our front office. <laughs> yeah. So that seems like a pretty clear message. Um, I, I can't. I, I cannot find this anywhere. So maybe I imagined it. But did Joe Sy? Did we not have reports about Joe Sy like a month two? It was before the Kevin Durant before he requested the trade. So it was probably close to two months ago where he was kind of almost wistfully talking about getting back to just basics with his team. And not dealing with all the superstar drama. And then a couple weeks later, Durant requested the, the trade. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was Joe Sy. So now you're in this spot where Joe Sy says, look, and it didn't take him any time. Yeah. No, we're going to support our front office. He didn't have to say that yesterday. No, he did not have to say that. That's what blows my mind right there. He did not have to let everyone else know what he was thinking in regard to Kevin Durant and KD's trade demand. And yet he did. I'm basically you've got Kevin Durant saying it's me or Steve Nash and Sean Marks. And then you had Joe Sy literally tweet out, Okay, guess what? I'm picking my front office. 
That's what he basically said with that tweet. Within I'm, hours of that story within coming Within hours out. of that story coming out. I'm standing by. I am picking Steve Nash and Sean Marks. So what does that mean? That means Kevin Durant is gone. There's no way Kevin Durant is going to play or finish this season with the Brooklyn Nets. That is not going to happen. And at some point in time, I fully expect him to be moved before the season. That's just my guess. So I've got three questions for you. Can you imagine, though? Just wonder, Can you imagine being Kevin Durant and there's Steve Nash coaching you? There's no way. They can't do that. <laughs> okay. Can you imagine being Steve Nash coaching a guy you know doesn't want to be coached by you? And not just that. It's not an internal thing. He just told the entire world that he doesn't like you as a coach. Yes. And you've got you've got Kevin Durant, once again, who I believe is a passive-aggressive. And I'm not crazy about passive-aggressive athletes. Can I tell you that right <laughs> I now? I don't think you need to tell I mean, me that. You've got to be kidding me. Just be hyper-aggressive. Be aggressive. Be be aggressive. <laughs> You're going to break be into a cheer. Aggressive. Be e aggressive. You know, that, wait, I mean, so that cheer doesn't go be passive aggressive. I, I no, it does oh, not. Okay. and you know, you're going to be aggressive as an athlete. Hyper aggressive. We all know that. Go ahead, throw that out there. Passive aggressive. I uh, can't deal with that on an athletic level. You know, I, I saw somebody sent me the Vegas odds. Okay. When will Kevin Durant be traded? Yes. Between September 1st and the start of the regular season is the favorite. On or before August 31st, which is like three weeks away, is the second favorite. On or after January 1st, but before the trade deadline, is the third favorite. And they're all pretty close. And that's the one I think has to happen for the Suns, is that third one. On or after January 1st, but before the trade deadline. I wouldn't say has to, but I think it makes it a lot easier. Because of DA. Because of DA. Okay, there you go, right there. But remember, he can veto any of this, too. He can, absolutely. Uh, So here's my questions for you, and I don't know that anybody has these answers yet, other than maybe Joe Sy. What was Kevin Durant's motive when he sat down with him and said, it's me or Steve Nash and Sean Marks? And what I mean by that is, did, did Kevin Durant was he saying that as in, like, get rid of these guys and we can fix things here? Or was it, I'm going to ask you to do something I know you can't do, and I'm going to force my way out and make it look like you chose them over me? I think it's the second one, right? Doesn't it kind of feel that way? Yeah, it does. So you want to get inside Kevin Durant's head. I want to get you inside a few exactly different things, what it is, these what players. What it is that he's thinking. There's that. My second question, I don't know if this is Durant or Joe Sy or somebody else, who leaked that story to Shams in the first place? Because the timing of this is interesting to me. Shams comes out with that, that story on The Athletic yesterday. And just a couple hours later, Joe Sy tweets out, I'm, I'm going to stand firm with my front office. Yes. So that's my third one. Why did Joe Sy just kill their, their trade leverage yes. yesterday? Because now everybody knows you have to trade him. And it's still Kevin Durant. You're still going to get something. But if there's only three or four teams he's willing to go to, and they all now know because your owner basically just said you have to trade him. And anytime Sean Marks calls you for yeah. a trade offer, you're going to be like, well, let's, I'll tell you what. I'll give you Cam Johnson or you lose your job. Which one? You're, you're right about that. But, Luke, what we don't know is what has been offered already. That's what we don't know. And all you need all you need are two teams to yeah. be interested. No, you're right. That's all you you're need. Right. You don't need three. You don't need four. Although the more and more you the have, more the, merrier. the better, yeah. no doubt. You need two that really, really want KD. Oh, they want Kevin Durant by practice. 
right? You want Kevin Durant. And there's somebody else who wants Kevin Durant. And all you need are two guys, two teams, two brains that are fighting for Kevin Durant. That's it to drive the price up. So, you know, I don't know. I think it's a – I actually give Josiah a lot of credit for coming out and, and doing it as definitively and as quickly as he did on Kevin Durant. Well, it's, it's funny you say that because obviously nobody has the answers to any of these three questions I just asked other than maybe Durant and Josiah. But the last one, my hunch – is why did he kill his team's trade leverage, or at least hurt it? They still have some, I guess. Is because I think he's just fed up with Durant and Kyrie. I honestly, I, I think that that was just an owner saying, you're not going to tell me how to run my entire team. Because if I fire my GM and my coach, you are then going to have to sign off on who I bring sure. in. Otherwise, we're doing this again in a year so, or six months. here is... Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant back on October 1st, 2020. And they said that they don't really see them having a head coach and that it's a collaborative effort. Saw him at the Hall of Fame two years ago, gave him a big hug, and now he's the head coach. You know, and I, and I think it's also going to change the way we see coaches. I don't really see us having a head coach. You know what I mean? Like, I... KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. Jacques Vaughn could do it one day. It could. It could be. It can be. It's a collaborative effort. I think on our part. Doesn't sound very collaborative <laughs> right now. Also, I don't want Kyrie as my coach. Or they gave him way too much power. Oh, you want Kyrie? Oh, you want James Harden? Yep. That's what they and did. And now it's okay. Going back up in their face. Stories like this always. I always come back to how much I appreciate Devin Booker, even when this. I mean. Kevin Durant's talking about an all-star team, basically. Yeah. It was built in Brooklyn. He's like, no, this isn't good enough. Kyrie, same thing. Devin Booker was on a 19-win team that the next year won like 21 games. Yes. And, and they didn't have consistency or stability or good coaching or pieces around him. And I never heard Devin Booker complain. Now, I'm sure he was to his friends or family behind the scenes. Fine. I would have done the same. But sure. he never did it like outwardly and became a problem for the team. So once again, I want to go back to the point you were bringing up in regard to why would he kill his trade leverage by basically going public and saying, you know what, I'm still standing by my general manager. I'm standing by my head coach. I don't. I, I think they know. They know what they have been offered already for Kevin Durant. They know what it is. They know that they're still going to have two teams. Otherwise, he would not have done that. He still knows there are teams that are going to be interested in Kevin Durant. And oh, by the way, we don't have to trade him. We don't. We do not well, have to trade That's him. the other thing. Period. You could just Kevin him. Durant, being the passive-aggressive that he is, Kevin Durant, of course, is going to show up and he'd play. He's going to show up and he will play for Steve Nash. Or, I mean, and we can get back into this and we will, do you just, if you really, if you're trying to trade him, but you're not getting an offer you like, you just sit Kevin Durant for the until you get a trade offer you like. That, to me, is the only leverage Brooklyn truly has of, we're just going to make you sit. Hey, they did it with Anthony Davis. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, we'll get back into this in a little bit. When we come back, all of today's top sports stories in one place. It's Wolf and Down Your Lunch, and that's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.